Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. So the next question, I'm in the early hypersexual stage of my journey. We are four months since D-Day. Am I postponing his recovery by continuing to have regular sex with my sex addiction husband? Well, I'll tell you what I tell every spouse who's in this situation. By the way, there, this is a partner, right? Tammy, do I have that yes. right? Okay, you guys don't have hypersexual stages of your journey. What you have is a great fear that this person is gonna go away from you again. And so if someone's in early recovery, it is not at all unusual for a spouse to move toward a lot of sex because on some level, they feel safe. They feel like they can control whether this person is, like if you, if I'm having lots of sex with you, you're gonna be satisfied and you're not gonna to go to other people, which is not true. Um, but we think spouses think that way. Um, I was gonna say something else about that. So I don't know if I'd use the words hypersexual. What I would use is I'm afraid I'm fearful, I'm worried, and I'm trying to control, which is completely understandable, something that I really have no control over. Um, so, and there's something else about that. Oh, the thing that I say to every spouse, and I really want you gentlemen and ladies to hear this, those of you who are being cheated on, why would you have sex with someone you don't trust? And if you don't feel trusting of this person, because you're saying, am I postponing recovery? That means you're not necessarily sure that they're in recovery maybe and by the way you're saying maybe it's my fault which by the way it is never a partner's fault ever if i choose to drink or act out that is always my decision so i think this partner's taking way too much responsibility for the addict's behavior and on top of that they're having sex with someone they don't trust and on top of that what's underneath there somewhere is a need for control a need for safety that is being played out by by sex there is one more thing I want to say that does come up for spouses, which is I have also heard from spouses, I'm having a lot of sex with this person. And the reason is, is I felt so distant from them because they weren't being honest. And now, even though I know these horrible things, I feel like I know who they are. I know what's going on. I, and so I feel more connected to them. Great. Go for a walk. <laughs> but having sex with somebody because you're feeling safer with them when they've ruined your life is not a particularly good idea. Yeah. So the, am I postponing his recovery? To me, it was right. like, okay, so what is he doing for his recovery? Because if you're there constantly and, you know, dopamine and everything else, does he have to do anything for his recovery? So, you know, or is he just, you're, you're, you're being it. Um, and I hear this and um, I want to say this as kindly as I can. If you're the substitute for his acting out now, like he's still in fantasy, then he's still not really with you and you're having sex with him, but you're the vessel, shall I say? Um, you're not. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying not to be, but, but it's challenging well, we, because I don't know where his head is really at. Um, and that, and maybe you don't either. So. We uh, use the term, and I think, Tammy, that this is, it's masturbating into someone. There it's not go. really being with them. It's being in fantasy, and it's getting off, and it's having penetrative sex. But you may not be the focus. You may just be the body that's there. Um, and I don't think you know yet. Four months, you don't really know. And so 
I'm not worried about whether it's premature for the addict because their acting out is up to them. You know, I can have a fight with you and go for a walk. I don't have to have sex with a sex worker. I can handle it. Diff my frustrations differently. I'm more concerned for the spouse in this situation um, because I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, I'm worried that it's not good for you to be having all the sex with this spouse addict. I'm not worried about them. They're responsible for their own recovery. Have sex with yourself. You can do that. So, okay. Next question. How do you do that, Tammy? I didn't know that. How do you, sorry. I have to joke I, a little bit. I'm the betrayed partner and my partner and I have only disclosed his addiction to his parents. Oops. We've decided to share with my parents and my best friend for emotional support. We are still determining what exactly we are looking for from them as far as support, but we have been told by many other couples that they've kept this information completely to themselves. We know that we must be very careful in this conversation what we decide to disclose, but can you advise on best practices? That's that's a, that comes up often of who to disclose to and what to share. So you can't undo it. So I'm glad you're asking before. Well, I think this is one of the hardest, one of the hardest challenges for spouses is who do you tell? You know, do you tell your clergy? Do you tell a friend? Do you tell... Because like Tammy said, they, they're not going to unhear it. And especially with family members, you do realize that if you stay together, you're going to be facing your parents every Thanksgiving, every, you know, whatever those are. And they're going to be thinking, you know, I just, um, how do I say this? I think there are many people that you can talk to about this, especially if you're in a recovering couple. I, I worry about telling family members that you're going to see for the next 20 years because, you know, your father-in-law is never going to feel safe with this man who is married to his daughter. Never again. He's always going to feel protective. He's always going to worry about this, you know. Uh, and so I, I, when you say careful in this conversation, all I would say to a parent, this is me, is we're having some troubles. We're really struggling. I hope we can work it through. We're in therapy. But I don't know that I want to tell my parents about my sexual life. I mean, that's my problem. You know, I don't, as a 30-year-old man, want to tell my 60-year-old parents what I'm doing or how I'm cheating. Or I don't think that's their role. If you want support, go to people who have the same problem as you because they will relate to you. Your parents may have been faithful for 40 years. They have no idea what to say or do. You can get support, but I'm not sure that's where you want to get it. And like Tammy said, we run betrayed partners groups. They're free. We're about to do a, um, an educational support group like betrayed partners 101. We are on, on we're aware of what's needed, but um, I don't think you have enough guidance by peers because they, like, like I said, in 12-step meetings, there's some people ahead of you. There's some people a little behind. There would be people who've had to ask these questions. I'm glad you're here asking them, but I'm a little concerned that I don't see anything about your recovery, your therapy, your taking care of yourself in some way that would help you find people to support you that may not be so close to you in a way that might come back to you later, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, so my best practices, I would say, be very careful. Yeah. And, and I think it is challenging because, you know, parents absolutely will, well, I've had it go both ways. I was going to say absolutely will defend you, the partner, but I, but I had somebody who said that um, her mother was like, what did you do wrong? It, you know, so it completely backfired. They didn't get, not only did they not get support, it, it, they got you know, blamed. it was, yeah. Yeah. So it is, it is super, I, I'm with Dr. Roberts, like, 
we're struggling right now. We're, we're doing some work on it. You know, if he's going away to treatment, it's like he's going to go do some personal work. I mean, it's that type of, of conversation. And, you know, you can always unpack a little more, but you can, you know, once it's out, you know, you, you can't un, un, you can't unsay it. So. And, and I want to add to that, Tammy, if it's okay. Um, I have a bottom line rule about family members. Don't tell your children. Don't tell your children uh, any age, even if they're 35. No child wants to hear about their parents' sex life. No child wants to hear that one of you cheated on the other because then they want to take sides. Tammy and I have seen situations where really loving couples were doing hard work to work it out, but the kids were, you, mom, you shouldn't be back with him. And we want, you know, because it's not their job. Um, again, we're having some troubles. We're having, we're not really getting along. We're arguing. Great. We're in therapy together. Fantastic. But it is not your children. And I've seen an angry spouse say, I'm going to screw you over. I'm going to tell your kids. I'm going to tell your boss. I would not suggest doing disclosure to anyone out of anger or as a threat. I think that will come back to you, as Tammy said, in a really big way that you don't want it to. Can I just put out one thing, Tammy, that's unrelated? Um, I really do want you guys to know that it is an honor and a privilege to do this for you. And I think for Tammy and I, it, well, for me, it's like going to a 12-step meeting. I always hear new things that help me in my recovery when I listen to you. But I do want you to know that we have to earn a living. And we do that with our treatment program and with the paid groups that we have online. And I would say, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot better work in the country because I've been doing this for 25 years and I've written 10 books and, you know, I've spoken all over the world and I oversee treatment. So if you're looking for that kind of help, drop in on one of the courses, come to treatment. We will help you come to one of the workshops. We give a ton away free, but we also need to earn a living. And sometimes I feel like you guys drop in, you're glad to get what you get, but you're, some of you, Go to other treatment centers. Some of you, you know, join somebody else's lecture program. And to be all, to be completely fair, we don't. You don't owe us anything. But hopefully, you feel respectful of our level of authority and experience, and you're willing to continue to seek that with us. Um, and that's as salesy as I get. But I really believe this. We can't keep doing this unless we get paid. Um, and we do a lot of it for free. So I hope that's okay, Tammy, that I No, I do. I, like I, we've had people who've gone to all the other treatment programs. And I often say, if we're not your first treatment program, we sure want to be your last, but the pain that people go through because they've had to continue, they didn't get what they needed at, at other, some big name programs, you know? Um, so, so yeah our treatment there is no more expert treatment program the, the with the with the clinical staff no more than eight guys at a time i mean it it's just clinically sound and um you know i'm grateful to be part of that and i hear life changing often not just from the alumni but when their partners and spouses reach out and they talk about that that's really meaningful to me because that means he took it home and and he's trying and it can be awkward well in in our program, they're all males. So, you know, oh, so, right, right. No, so I'm yeah, sorry. he took it home and he's, and it's showing and it can be awkward and it can be challenging and it can be not perfect, you know, coming back, but you know, that they're seeing that he's trying to implement a different way is, is really meaningful. So that's why we and keep showing add, up for work every day. So, and I want to add to that, that um, two things about treatment centers. Number one, um, many of them are so focused on the addictive piece that they miss trauma. They miss mental health issues. 
I had clients with high functioning um, autism and their spouse would say, why don't they relate? And why aren't they emotional? And the treatment center, you know, they're addicted to this and addicted to that. They would never be able to give their spouse what they need because they have emotional problems that doesn't allow them to. And things like that getting missed can cause people to spend for years and years and years. Mental health is really important. Probably half our clients have anxiety or depression or other issues going on. Um, the other thing I want to say about it is, and absolutely this is my experience, many of the treatment programs, even the best, the larger programs tend to be cookie cutter. So if you are a man who is heterosexual of a certain age and you're having these problems, you'll do great. However, if you have something off the beam, you know, you're using drugs with sex, you are, um, you have, you're bipolar, you know, when you have more multiple issues that are going on, um, it will be much more difficult for you to get what you need in the large programs because they do one thing, they might do it well, but treating you guys is never one thing. You know, there's trauma, there's mental health issues, there's relationship and family issues. You need the people to help with those things. And I will say one more thing to sell our program. Our ratio of most treatment centers, the ratio of therapist to client is one therapist for eight clients, for 10 clients. We have two or three therapists for every client. So when you have two or three people with eyes on you and the focus on you, it makes a huge amount of difference. Nobody's walking through a dining room with a hundred people in our program. They are in a house with eight guys and they got to work on it, whether they like it or not. And they're being monitored and all that stuff. So Tammy, I really feel strongly that we give something that is not being given in other places and we have the right to talk about it here. And so um, now I'm done. <laughs> Tammy, T-A-M-I, at seekingintegrity.com if you want more information. So, okay. Uh, so this question, I'm not sure, I don't understand. We would love to hear Dr. Rob's opinion on entities, alters, parts that are acting out. So, so what this person is talking about is what we call dissociation. Oh, okay. Where Thanks. there are parts of them inside that, that are split off. Basically, what this is about is there are some people who learn to survive very difficult experiences in early age by splitting themselves into little pieces. You know, you've heard of multiple personality is what we used to call it. Um, it really does exist. Sometimes people know about what's going on in different states of mind and the parts know each other. Sometimes they don't. So someone who absolutely there can be someone who acts out and they have no idea they did and they don't they they wake up and it's like how did i get here why am i here but that is really an extreme end of of emotional challenges that's someone who has had such profound trauma that they could not stay a whole person without and and tolerate it by the way in some ways i think that people who dissociate to this degree and that's what it called what it what it's called when you split into pieces. By the way, that's what we call our program. It has the word integrity because it's about bringing separate pieces together. Um, but I, uh, what did I want to say about this? Um, there's absolutely work that can be done and people can hear about this. I, if it were my spouse who was acting out and they said, it's my alters, it's my parts. I, I have to say, I would be I would really want to make sure that that is what's going on because to act out itself is dissociation. I am leaving my life behind who I am behind and I'm going off in this other direction. A part of me that I, you know, the part of me that acts out is not, you know, I've heard people say, um, 
I don't understand why I do that. It doesn't seem like me. I can't imagine my doing that when they were in a good place. It doesn't make sense to them. But when they're in that intensity-based dopamine adrenaline, it is a different state of consciousness. And being in a different state of consciousness to help yourself get through difficult circumstances in some ways defines dissociation. So um, uh, I, I really don't want to comment on this in a direct way because I don't know to what degree this person is dissociative. I don't know if their parts are integrated, if they know about each other, if they don't. I don't know. I don't know enough about this, but I certainly do know that there are people who put themselves in all kinds of situations. They don't know how I got there. They don't know why they got there. They lose time. They can't remember what happened in the last week. Um, and that really is true. That really is a thing. Um, and so this has to be worked on in a, in a different way than addiction. Um, because there may be some parts that go to 12-step meetings and some parts that don't know anything about it. So I think it depends on the degree of the problem. Some people can't recover until they do bring these parts together. Um, and there are very skilled trauma therapists who do this work. This is a trauma issue, and it requires someone who is an expert in dissociation and trauma. Your average therapist, wonderful people, but they're not going to know how to manage this because this is a very complicated mental health issue. Tammy? Thank you. No, that's very helpful. And I actually, a name came to mind of who I'd refer to for, for something like that. So, mm -hmm. okay. Next question. With holidays coming up, how do we face spending time with family and loved ones without it feeling like a facade? We are nine months post-disclosure and my husband is working hard on recovery, but no one in our family circle knows. We haven't seen them a lot in the last nine months due to COVID. I fear that they'll sense something is off between us and have pointed questions. They tend to be very abrupt in your face people, and I won't know how to answer. Well, I'm really glad you're asking this question in advance of going because I think you're dead on and you know yourself well and you know the situation well. And I love the fact that you're here at trying to anticipate problems and look forward to how they can be resolved. Um, but I really want to toss this, if it's okay, Tammy, to you to start and then I'll follow up. Well, my first thought was I'd be, oh, COVID has been challenging and I'd deflect. I would really point it because, and I, I think I'm good at that on some level because I've got some difficult family members sometimes. So, um, uh, or whatever, but like it's, if I can switch it to them, then the conversation becomes about them. And I don't have oh. to, I don't have to deal with, you know, but you know, I, yeah. Rather than getting into an argument of, you know, it's none of your business or any of that type of thing, I, you know, I just kind of, oh, you know, oh, everybody's got problems. We're yeah, working on COVID, it. you know, yeah. It, it, but, you know, tell me more about you. And you know what? Most of them are happy to tell about them. So that that would probably be my solution. But yeah, like I don't I don't do well with people prying into things that they don't need to know about. But I also don't, you, you don't need to make it worse. And you don't need to feel uncomfortable. You just go, oh, you know. I, I, I think that I would put this on the list of things, you know, along with religion and politics, I would put this on the list of things that simply don't need to be talked about and are only going to create, look, I don't go to the holidays to create tension. Sometimes it happens, but the goal is to connect and catch up and share love and fun. So I really do your best to not engage in this. By the way, um, I don't know, this has always been important to me. Um, whenever I visited family, I stayed in a hotel. Um, I wanted to be able to leave when I wanted to leave. I wanted to be able to come when I wanted to come and arrive. I didn't want to be 
in a situation where I felt like I was staying there. And so we had to talk till nine o'clock. You know, I wanted more control over the situation, and I found that to be very helpful. And by the way, families don't need to know why you're staying at the hotel. You can simply say it's more comfortable. I need a little more space. I don't want to, you know, inter- I don't want to mess up your bathroom. Whatever you need to say, they don't need to know. It's because you drive them crazy. They drive you crazy. But on every level, this is really a question about how do I take care of myself during the holiday? And I agree with Tammy. <clears throat> we have a saying in treatment, and the guys who are in treatment right now are listening to this. By the way, they know I'm coming in tomorrow, and so they're all kind of thinking, oh, God, I'm going to see Dr. Rob. What's going to happen So I'm running group tomorrow? Guys, it's going to be fine. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to go after the difficult stuff. But in any case, we have a saying in treatment, which is news, weather, and sports, which means when you're first engaging someone, when you're in a process of when you're at home and your kids are around and you, you're really dealing with these problem situations, move to, we talk about news, we talk about weather, we talk about sports, we talk about how the kids are doing. You know, as Tammy said, you can deflect. You can say, oh, well, those are great questions, but let me tell you what my kids are doing, or those are great questions, but what's going on with you, Aunt Sally? Deflect, 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 because it's none of their business. It is the opposite of what you want to do in recovery, which is be open, share. You have to put a wall around yourself and say, this is, I guess there's one more thing that I've learned with families, I guess, or at least in my own, <clears throat> that there are, <clears throat> there are certain topics that I've had talk about them, it, I already know it's not going to go well. And sometimes in my experience, <clears throat> I get blamed for talking about them. I know that may be different for you, but I've had, uh, I've brought up difficult things and had people say, why are you bringing that up? Or why do we have to talk about that? Or worse, why do you always bring these things up? So news, weather, and sports, it may not be safe for you to talk about these things. Everyone's going to have an opinion why don't you not give them anything to have an opinion about? And you rarely see Tammy and I say, don't talk about things. But this is one place where I'd say, oh, I'd love to talk about that, but look how cute your dog is and get up and walk away. Um, so yes. take care of yourself. I might need more pumpkin pie at that moment. So, right. <laughs> okay. Let me help next, you in the kitchen. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm the betrayed spouse. My essay husband is struggling with emotional regulation. He is very sensitive to any emotion that appears negative, that appears negative for me. Can you speak about the emotional struggles that essays have in early recovery? Why don't you start, Tammy, and I will jump in there. Pardon me behind you. It's, it's his job to get support from his sponsor, from his therapist, from whatever he needs to do. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the out of the doghouse. So Dr. Rob has a book called out of the doghouse, and we're going to have a work group on that starting in January. So stay tuned, but it's his job to get the support that he needs in order to be able to, um, to tolerate me. I think go back to what we said early on to the other um, answer of setting 20 minutes a couple times a week, you know, so that you guys can have a conversation about things, you know, and, it can be the story I'm telling myself when, when I hear you say that, and you know, is that it's negative and that I'm failing. And it can be no, I'm not saying that. Um, it's, you know, I had a really rough day at work and I was just looking for whatever. But you know, it gives you the opportunity and the space to be able to have the conversation. But it is not your job to make sure that you've sanitized all your emotions so that he can be 
tolerant of whatever it is. So it, it really is his job. It's really hard, you know, like in addiction, and it doesn't matter just sex addiction. We avoid all emotions. We avoid all painful, difficult things. That's why, you know, we acted out. That's why we're in fantasy. That's why we're numbing out. So, so to learn to be able to tolerate that is just, that's our job to get the support that we need from our other recovering people, from our therapists in order to be able to tolerate things. So hopefully that's helpful. I'm writing in um, out of the doghouse because um, okay. I have to say, just to say it, it's interesting because um, this is not the best, this is not the most powerful book I've written. And to me, it's not the most interesting book on some to me personally. Um, however, it is my best selling title. And the reason is, is because it's about cheating and it's about men finding their way into understanding what their spouses have been through. And so I have never, the reason I wrote this book is because I haven't in 25 years or longer seen a man who understands the depth of pain he causes a woman when he cheats or how to repair that. And so, oh, we both typed it in. So what I want you to hear is that as a man, um, I want to fix things. I want to make them better. <clears throat> it's just how we're built. You tell me, oh, I had a problem in the office. I'm not going to say, tell me more about that. I'm going to say, well, I think you should do this and do that. It's very much how we are built. <clears throat> that is not a way to solve this problem. <clears throat> Solving having cheated on you doesn't, ma- doesn't have anything to do with giving you jewelry, giving you gifts, taking on vacation, saying, I'm sorry. It is a long process of showing that you have empathy and compassion and understanding of what the spouse is going through. And my experience is for most men, they need a little help in learning that. Because we will tend to say, it's been three months. When are you going to get off the, off my back? Or I've been working so hard. You could just give me a break. I don't think that's going to win you back the person you love. And if you don't understand how to be empathic and how to be compassionate, read the book. The only thing I'll tell you is I'm a no BS kind of guy. And I constantly say throughout through this book, this is going to be hard and you may not want to do it. If you don't want to do it, maybe you don't want to be in this relationship because this is what it takes to heal cheating on a when you've cheated on a woman. And maybe that person doesn't want to go through the lengths it takes to rebuild trust. God love them. That's fine. But they're not going to make it in this relationship unless they have a way to rebuild trust. And one of the things I hear from spouses all the time is he has no idea what he's done to me. He has no idea what's done to this family. He has no idea of the degree of hurt I I have. He's so narcissistic. He doesn't seem to care how I feel. I wrote this book for them to learn and understand what to go, what you are going through. So I don't think that answered the question, Tammy. Is there anything else that I should say about that? Uh, I I think we're good. And I think the next question, and, and it will be our last one. Unfortunately, we've got a bunch more and I'm sorry, we won't get to them, but this ties into it. So um, I am a sex addict in recovery since late February. In the past week and a half, I've had two slips, one involving porn where I intended to view, but hit the block and stopped. And one involving lying to my spouse about something non-sexual. She found out about these slips before I could tell her as we practiced the 24 hour period, where do I go and how do I go from here? Any advice would be appreciated. So I'm tying that in because in out of the doghouse, you talk about those things. Well, let's go back a step. These are not slips, neither one of them. They are not slips and they should not be inside an inner circle. Going out there and 
starting driving through the wrong neighborhood or the red light district and saying, oh, this isn't good for me and calling your sponsor or therapist and say, I'm driving through an area I shouldn't be in and then getting out, that's recovery. Slips are, and I would be really clear, they are sexual. They have to do with sex. A slip is not, I lied to my spouse. A slip is not, um, I went to the wrong neighborhood. It is a slip if I got on the porn site and started looking at it. But if I'm thinking about it and I realize that I'm in trouble and I reach out, that's what I'm supposed to do. So I am concerned about a spouse that feels like being, if they're lied to, it's a slip. I hate if you're lied to. I don't want you to be lied to. But I'm not going to give up a year or six months of sexual sobriety, which is so incredibly meaningful because I lied to you. Because I, what what slipping is, it must be a sexual act. It's not even a sexual thought. It's not how I looked at that person and I thought they were hot. And that's not a slip. Going up to them and talking to them and trying to get in bed is a slip. So I would be one of the things I have to do with the people that we work with is they're often saying, uh, uh, if I lie, it's a slip. If I um, come home late, it's a slip. If I curse at my spouse... Those are not nice things to do, but those are warning signs that something is not going right. A slip must, by, by definition, be sexual. It's in some ways like being an alcoholic. I might do all kinds of things, yell at scream, be late, you know, whatever, but I haven't had a slip unless I drink or use. That's just how it goes. And unless I am actively being sexual in some way, it's not a slip. It is bad behavior. It's a warning sign. It's something that I have to clean up with my spouse, but I would never restart my sobriety time because of these issues. They're not sexual. And you even said, lying to my spouse about something non-sexual. Look, I could have my spouse say, do you like what I'm wearing? And I think it's awful, but I'm probably going to lie because it's not going to go well <laughs> if it didn't fit them or whatever. But if they say, I love this color, I love the way it looks on me. And don't you think this is great? I'm probably going to lean into yes, because I don't want to just, you know, this is not a bad lie. So um, what I want to and get I would say, time, I can see how happy it makes you. I would, <laughs> I wouldn't go to the, but, but I, I, I want to clarify on the practice, the 24 hour period, tell the truth and tell it faster. Our clinical director says that all the time. Tell the truth and tell it faster. Don't wait till 24 hours. I have 24 hours. So I'm going to eke it out regardless of whether it was about sex or not. You know, if you tell a lie, it, Rob, I lied to you five minutes ago when I what you know, like I'm going to tell you quicker because I don't want to have that be as soon as you get caught, you, now your spouse caught you. And so now that erodes the trust, whether it's about uh, with it, whether it's about sex or not. So, so I agree with Dr. Rob, you know, I think checking what's in your inner circle, working with your ther qualified therapist and your sponsor, we talk about this stuff in the sex addiction 101. Well, I don't, but the, the guys do. And the porn addiction 101, what should be in your inner circle? What should be in your middle circle? What should be in your outer circle? You're making sure, you know, it sounds like you're, um, uh, your three circle plan may not be exactly how it is going to be most effective for your recovery. So making sure that you're working on what really should be, um, uh, you know, in those would be useful. And so that your, your spouse also has that, you know, has that clarity too. So. And it's not that lying is 
uh, validated, approved of. We think it's a great thing. And I understand that a spouse would be furious. And I also understand that a spouse might say and do, well, if you're lying about this, what else are you lying about? And I completely understand that too. However, it's not a slip if it's not, has nothing to do with sex. The other thing is I want to explain what a, there is no 24 hour rule. Tell the truth and tell it faster. However, there are some of you who are so afraid of confrontation, who so struggle with saying what's true in the moment, then you might want to say, I am going to tell you the truth within six hours, eight hours, 24 hours, you pick it. And, but I am going to go back to you and tell you the truth. The rule is not about the amount of time. And it's certainly not about, I don't have to tell you for 24 hours. It's, it's how long will it take me to feel um, the strength and the courage to tell you the truth. And I wouldn't wait more than 24 hours. That's really the rule. Um, uh, yeah. And by the way, one more thing about circle plans, they are how we set our sobriety. We write that out because unlike alcoholism, you know, it isn't about not having sex. It's about what kind of sex is healthy. Sex addiction is more like an eating disorder where you say, I shouldn't do this and I don't want to do that. And then we create that. And every spouse should be able to see what is on your recovery plan. Um, they may not agree with it. I think lying should be, I completely understand that, but that's not how it's supposed to work. It's not okay for spouses to bully me into what they think my recovery should look like. They can say how they feel about it. I don't like that. I don't feel safe. I'm not sure I can live with you if you keep it. But for me to say, you need to do this and you need to do that, it's not going to go well. It turns you into a police officer or a parole officer or a judge and not my spouse. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.